Hey, we just want to welcome our Faith Church family, all of you that are watching and tuning in online. And we know much of our community is watching as well, and we want you to know we're glad you're here. As we commemorate and celebrate the death of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to be our sacrifice and to be our savior. And as we step into the word, I want us to just take a moment. I want us to pray because my heart and my hope is that God's presence would show up behind the screen, that God would meet you in your living room or your bedroom, whatever device you're watching on, that God would step on the other side and he would minister to our hearts as we remember him. And so will you bow your heads and your hearts and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the darkest day in humanity, Father, brought us light and life. We thank you that, God, the most difficult thing that you ever faced brought us salvation, that your death brought us life. And so, Father, I pray, God, today would be more than a holiday. I pray to be more than just a moment that we lean into a screen. I pray, Father, that today, for all of us, it would be the moment that we recognize that we find grace and forgiveness, and hope, and joy through what you did for us. And so, Father, just thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life. And again, I pray every heart would be impacted today by that truth. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Well, hey, man, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together. And so if you are not already prepared, I just want to encourage you just to take a quick moment and slide away from the screen and grab whatever elements you have available. Obviously here, typically use like a cracker and some juice, but I'm telling you some saltines and water will do just fine. It's far more about what the emblems represent than what they are themselves. And so go ahead and get ready. But I want to step into just a quick conversation. And I want to just ask this question. I wonder how many of you out there are pet people? Pet people, right? I'm a pet person. We have two dogs. I'm a dog person. Now, I know the great divide in this nation is not between, right, Republicans and Democrats. It's not between Alabama and Auburn. It's between the cat people and the dog people. But I want you to know the dog people win because there are more dogs in this nation and more households have dogs and cats. And in fact, the honest truth is, right, while dog owners have dogs, cat people don't have cats. Cats have cat people. Come on, they, they own you. There's something about cats. There's a lot of pet people, but right, it's not just cats and dogs. We know that there are iguanas and guinea pigs and fish and parakeets. There's all kinds of animals out there. And I know this as well, that man, people love their pets. I've talked to people who've lost pets before and they'll tell you, man, it feels like I lost a loved one. That We get so attached to our animals, so connected with these creatures and when we lose one or think about having to do without one, it's really devastating again, because we love our pets. Again, we just don't have one dog. We have two dogs, and really one of the dogs is, is really my wife's. We have a small Australian shepherd named Hank, and my wife loves this dog, and this dog loves my wife. In fact, I would be scared to guess who my wife would choose if she had to pick me or the dog. I, I don't even want to know the answer. Again, it's because we love our pets. We are, we are pet people. We're animal people. But here's the truth, right? Not all animals are for companionship, right? Some animals are for cooking, <laughs> right? Some of them are our friends and some of them are our food. I'm telling you, I love, I love to pet my dog, but I also like to eat a steak. I, I, like, I, like to, I like to play fetch with Fido, but I also like to have some pork chops on the grill. <laughs> it's just how it is, right? Some animals, again, are our friends, some of them are our food. 
But did you know that animals played a whole different role for the nation of Israel, right? Even though they had animals and some of them were sidekicks and some of them were, some of them were snacks, a lot of the animals for the nation of Israel were for sacrifice, sacrifice. Now, you might just be absolutely angry about the thought of that, but did you know all the way in the beginning, God has always required that a sacrifice be made for sin. I mean, when I say all the way back to the beginning, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and you find that, right, God made a perfect paradise and God created humanity. God created Adam and Eve and ultimately you and I to be in a relationship with him. But God gave Adam and Eve a free choice and they chose wrong. They chose what they wanted rather than what God wanted. They chose their will over God's will and ultimately sin entered into humanity. And Adam and Eve were the first, they were the original naked and afraid right? Because sin came, with it came shame and guilt and separation. And where typically they would be connected with their creator, God would come out every day and and connect with Adam and Eve. Instead, the Bible tells us that they went and they were aware that they were naked and they were afraid and they were ashamed and they went and hid themselves. And I love it because God steps out and he takes an innocent animal and This innocent animal is sacrificed and this innocent animal is skinned and God takes the skin of the animal to cover the nakedness and the shame of Adam and Eve. And that's such a powerful truth still today. Here's what you need to know if you're taking notes at home is that sin creates shame, but the sacrifice shoulders the blame. See, the animal didn't do anything. The animal was innocent. It was Adam and Eve that sinned, but basically again, it was their shame but the sacrifice shouldered the blame. So for a few minutes with that thought in mind about animal sacrifices, I wanna step into a story that's found in Exodus chapter 12. It's, It's the very first time that there's a sacrifice made on a national level. And as we step into the story, we find that ultimately it steps and starts with the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh has forced the nation of Israel into slave labor to build the Egyptian empire. And like always, God doesn't want his people in bondage. He doesn't want them in slavery. They can't free themselves, so he steps in to do it for them. And I just want you to know God is still in that business. God, I'm just telling you where you're at. If you're struggling, if you're in bondage, if you're you're bound up by something, if if you're overcome with an addiction you can't get free from, I want you to know that God still can make keys for every lock and he can break chains, come on, in every life, anytime, anywhere, if you'll give him an opportunity. And so God sends a rescuer, Moses, to go rescue his people out of slave labor, to get them out from underneath the heavy hand of Pharaoh. But he goes to Pharaoh and he commands Pharaoh to let God's people go. And Pharaoh hardens his heart and tells Moses no. And God, in several chapters, I'm telling you, in this awestruck response to Pharaoh's obstinance, God sends 10 plagues that affects every aspect of Egypt. The plagues come one by one and impacts the animals, the livestock, the water, the quality of life, and ultimately life itself because it all culminates in the 10th plague. And the 10th plague gives us what I wanna talk about for a few minutes in this idea of sacrifice. See, the 10th plague was God said, I'm gonna send death throughout the entire land of Egypt and it's gonna touch every household and it's gonna kill the firstborn every firstborn animal, every firstborn in every household, Egyptians and Jews alike. 
But with the, with the warning of death came instructions of life. God said, listen, death doesn't have to come to you. If you'll sacrifice an innocent animal, that'll do. And so I want us to step into the story and listen to this. Here's how this idea of sacrifice for the Jewish nation unfolds. Watch this. It says in Exodus chapter 12, he says, from now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. It's almost like God is saying that this is going to be a brand new beginning. That's always God's heart. I want you to know wherever you're at that God is offering you today through Jesus a brand new start, a brand new beginning. God is always willing to wipe the slate clean through his grace. And so he's telling Moses about this plague that's coming, about death that's on its way. And he's saying, listen, the way out is a sacrifice and it's gonna be a new beginning. He goes on and says this. He says, announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each family must choose a lamb or young goat as a sacrifice, one animal for each household. So again, it's like, hey, everybody has to have a lamb. You have to have a lamb. I have to have a lamb. Come on, everybody has to have a lamb. Everybody's got to have a lamb. What do you do with the lamb? He, he says this. He goes on. He says, he says if, if a family's too small to eat the whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Again, right? The lamb is big enough, not just for one household. The lamb is big enough for the world. The lamb's big enough for the whole culture, the whole community. I don't know if you realize this, but this, this lamb that God was talking to Moses about 1,500 years before Jesus came was a foreshadow of Jesus himself. And here's what God tells him to do. He says that this, again, animal, he says, when you select it, it must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. So again, God gives instruction to Moses. I want everybody, every family, every household to get a lamb that has no blemishes, nothing wrong with it. And so Moses takes these instructions and he goes to all of the elders of the nation of Israel to pass on the instructions. It'll find its way down to all the people. And so here's what Moses tells them, watch. It says, then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, go pick out a lamb for yourself, a young goat for each of your families and slaughter, watch this, the Passover animal. You say, well, what did the animal do? Nothing, the animal was innocent. But again, the animal was gonna shoulder the blame. And he says this in verse 23, he says, for the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will, come on, say it at home, he will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. See, he was saying when death comes through, it doesn't have to come to your house, but if you don't have a sacrifice, if you don't have something else to shoulder death, it's gonna to come to you. So if you'll put out an innocent animal, it will shoulder to the death that's coming your way. Again, if you're taking notes, the Passover lamb made it possible for God's punishment to pass over God's people. And this is what we're celebrating today in Good Friday. Because you're saying, Pastor Steve, what does that story 3,500 years ago about this, these Jews killing lambs have to do with me? Because again, Jesus was the fulfillment of that foreshadow. He was the final picture. In fact, one day this guy, John the Baptist, he was a prophet. He's out one day preaching and he sees Jesus out of the corner of his eye. And when he sees Jesus, here's what he declares out of his mouth. He says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God. Did you hear that? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
what he was saying is, that's the guy that came to die. He knew that there was, God was always going to send an ultimate sacrifice for all of our sin. See, John knew that God had been promising for hundreds of years that he was going to send a Messiah with a mission. And the mission was always to die for us. The mission was always for him to be the sacrifice. And so when he saw Jesus, he said, there's the lamb. The apostle Paul writing to Christians after the death of Jesus, looking backwards at what Jesus did, he said this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. He said, Christ is our Passover lamb. And he's been sacrificed for us. So the same way Jews took animals and sacrificed lambs so death would pass over them, Jesus came and he did the same thing for us. He died on our behalf so death would pass over us. See, it's like this. I know probably many of us watching this, we have, we have car insurance, right? If you don't, come on, you better get some, you're illegal. We all have to have it. And here's why, we've, I've been there, you've been there, right? We have a fender bender, we have an accident. One of the first things we do is we call our insurance company and we ask them this question. Here's a question, you probably have heard it. Am I covered? Am I covered? You know what we're asking? We're asking this question, hey, I just had an accident. It's gonna cost a whole lot of money. Is that gonna come out of my pocket or are you gonna pay the bill? Come on, am I covered? Here, here's another one that this is used. Have, have you ever been out to lunch with somebody? Ever take a friend to lunch? You go out, you're gonna hang out, spend an hour together over a burger and fries and you get up to the line at Five Guys Burgers and Fries. See, this sounds like a, an example because it is. This happens to me that you get up to order and you got the guy beside you that you're supposed to be eating lunch with and all of a sudden they do this, uh-oh, I forgot my wallet. Now you got two options at that point. You can look at them and say, well, that's okay. You can still sit there and watch me eat, but who's gonna do that, right? No, this is what we do. We look at our friend who forgot their wallet and we tell him this, come on, what do we say? I got you covered. What we're saying is you get the benefit of the meal, but I gotta pay the bill insurance, again, it was your accident, it was your mistake, but we're gonna pay for it. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary is he was our great sacrifice. It was our sin, but he paid the price. It was our debt, but he had us covered. And that's why we're here. That's why we're commemorating. You're saying, why did it matter 2,000 years ago? Because it's still true today that Jesus is still covering debt. He's still forgiving sin. He's still washing us clean. He's still giving us a new beginning. And so while the lamb did annually for an individual, right? Every year they would sacrifice a new lamb in this Passover, right? Jesus did forever for everyone. We don't need to sacrifice lambs anymore because the lamb of God was slain for us. See, Jesus was perfect and he was innocent. But you and I, we were guilty and we were sinners. But God sent his son on a rescue mission to be our sacrifice, to be our Passover lamb. So judgment doesn't have to come to you. It can pass over you. You don't have to pay your fine. Jesus will cover your debt. And that's what the cross is about.